When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. strange familiars good evening tim how you doing chad doing great how's your evening it's going all right mine, mine was pretty good too mine was pretty good too good been a little while yes it has yeah and i actually got to do the intro this time <laughs> but there's a reason for that because tonight's show is one you recorded without me and a tear drops slowly down my cheek as I say that. <laughs> and this was not by choice, though. This was not by choice. I am not trying to take over Strange Familiars. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> it was a lot of scheduling conflicts, but we did the best with what we could. Yeah, so you went back to Pandemonium. And before we get into any of that, I want to advise people, if they don't remember our first trip to Pandemonium, it's worth going back and listening to those several episodes we did on them. I think we might have done three regular episodes and a patron episode. I forget. It's the whole series of episodes yeah. we did. We had 
three episodes, and I did a Patreon episode. We had one where I went back by myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've been back a few times since, but I, I'm talking about the yes. in, the initial visit to Pandemonium because then we talk about the town history and we get into all that stuff. So you kind of get to hear what Pandemonium is, and then you get into our first experience there, which kind of laid the groundwork for almost <laughs> everything else we'd experienced there, including what you experienced on uh, the night that we will be talking about tonight. Correct. This was October 7th. It was the night before Albatwitch Day, and you had some friends come down from Canada. So I don't think they introduced themselves on the interview. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the people that were there with you? Yes. So I had Caleb Musgrave and Ryan Moffitt from Canadian Bushcraft. They run a podcast called Canadian Bushcraft and it's about the outdoor skills that I and others like me practice. Caleb also runs a school up in Ontario also called Canadian Bushcraft and uh, he's been doing it for a long time. He's very knowledgeable in the bushcraft world. He has designed a knife he lives the outdoor life. He's been doing it for 25 years. He's just a very knowledgeable person. And he's also First Nations Canadian. And he was coming down specifically to go to Pandemonium with you? Yes, he was. We've been talking back and forth for a while, me and him. And you know, we were trying to, I was trying to get it, work it out to get him on the show here on Strange Familiars because he has some really awesome stories so much he did share with me while we were at Pandemonium. That will be another episode. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he just has a lot of, of the native indigenous knowledge, you know, which is really interesting. He does go into that a little bit in this. He does a annual Halloween episode for Canadian bushcraft. You know, it's, it's not really bushcraft that because he enjoys this world that me and you explore also mm-hmm. it's a big part of his lore you know of his culture i would strongly recommend checking out canadian bushcraft's first halloween episode it's it's awesome like the one story he has he doesn't tell me it's about an axe that was basically following him through the house <laughs> oh i remember you telling me uh, the story. Yeah, yeah it's something that happened to him when he was younger and it affects him to this day they wanted to do their halloween episode and they were talking about actually camping somewhere and I said hey man you know I'm, I'm a patron of his show I enjoy his show I listen to it I said you know I know a place you can camp <laughs> you know come on down we'll make it happen and you know he didn't realize at the time you know he was listening to his wife is a is a fan of Strange Familiars and she's listening to the show and he goes yeah we're going to go down and this Chad guy and and maybe this Timothy Renner, and she goes, you know those guys? You know the Strange Familiars crew? Oh, wow. (laughs) He didn't put two to two together (laughs) until she said something to him. And then finally we made it happen. He was able to come down. Unfortunately, with his schedule and your schedule, Albatwitch Day was the only time that worked. I mean, we did go to Albatwitch Day, so you guys did get to meet each other a little bit. Yeah. I really wanted you guys to talk a lore. 
hopefully next time he comes down that can happen because he is coming down again he loved the area yeah so october 7th was the night before albatwitch day october 8th was the day of and mm-hmm. i just could not work it so i could be there either night honestly the night before yeah. i needed to prepare for albatwitch day and the night after i was exhausted from albatwitch day so it just right, i just couldn't so. make it Rightfully so. I mean, because we, we came down from Pandemonium. We literally drove down. I think that was like a little over an hour. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy. I yeah. Mean, yeah. It's the busiest day of the year for me. It, it, happy busy. It's a wonderful time. I love Apple oh, Twitch yeah. Day, but I'm exhausted afterwards. Yeah. And he had a great time. And it just didn't work out logistically as far as everybody's schedule. And that just worked. And we just made the best we could of it. And it actually came out really well. You know, the only bad thing was you weren't there, which we very much wanted, but sometimes you just do the best with what you have. Well, I could tell when you guys arrived there on Albatwitch Day that you were pretty excited that some stuff had gone down. I could tell Kel was already impressed with Pandemonium. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, And I was uh, already a little jealous of what was happening. Now, you go over in in this interview... Or, or this in this segment here we're playing tonight, you guys are sitting around the fire and you're basically talking about what happened on the night of October 7th. It's October 8th when you're sitting down to record. Yes, yes. And you're yes. talking about what happened the night before. Mm-hmm. So let's just go ahead and play that and then we'll come back and I'll ask you a couple more questions about that. Okay. So it's October 8th, 1 a.m. Actually, 1.10 a.m., so I guess it's October 9th. Pandemonium. And I'm here with Caleb from Canadian Bushcraft. Also his right-hand man and drug dealer, <laughs> Ryan, the adventure guy. So this is uh, night number two up here we ran down to alba twitch festival and chucked things out and now we're just kind of sitting around the campfire and we're just going to share some of our campfire stories here and if something happens we'll uh we're here so so caleb yo what do you think of this place just offhand the geology, the geography, and the history are absolutely beautiful. Uh, where we live, the majority of the forests are real thick underbrush that you just cannot see through. So this is to walk into a forest that feels, I know that you told me this, like second or third generation cut. Yep. But it feels like old growth habitat with the way it just is so open and airy and visible. So that's really cool. The, the, the mountain ranges here, the ancestry of the mountain ranges here is astounding to me. I live where there's some foothills. I live where there's some pretty old rock. But this is this is beautiful. And then the history of this place where he took us up into the town, he showed us the cemetery and all the rock foundations that are all around us right where we're standing right now is just it's awe-inspiring the, the the fortitude of the people that lived on this landscape for generations. So from the from the get-go the sheer beauty and magnitude of this place is truly incredible. But when it comes down to 
the experiences. It's been really cool. Yeah. Like, flat out <laughs> cool. I use the word spooky on stuff, and I don't mean that in a way of, like, saying that something's scary or evil, but where you have an experience where the hair stands up. That could be a good experience, bad experience, whatever it can be. Spooky is the term I'll use for it. Last night, you and I, I had about a good 30-minute spooky adventure, and it was really incredible to watch a you work and see you in your element but be witness the stuff along with you and actually being able to see it and understand what i'm seeing and actually get a grasp of what i'm looking at even though i'll never fully be able to understand what i perceived you know but it was incredible so far i've been having the time of my life down here this is amazing awesome i i appreciate that you know i just do this for fun Mm -hmm. you know i enjoy doing it and that's why i do it and it was awesome, like, hanging out with somebody your abilities. Hmm. You know, case and nobody do, doesn't know, you know, Caleb runs a school up in uh, Ontario, Canada, mm-hmm. called Canadian Bushcraft. Yep. Highly skilled individual. Highly skilled individual. Sure, if you want to say that. Yeah, I'm a well, little, I'm yeah, a, you are. You are. Totally. You don't give yourself enough credit. Appreciate that. Also, you know a lot. You know, you, you come from um, First Nations background. Yep. And... You have a lot of knowledge of your of your nation's mythos and mythology or whatever. You know, when I say that, I'm not calling no, it mythology. No, I, I use that term a lot as yep. well. The lore is another way we can look at it. As, yes, thank uh, you. That's a bunch better term. I think so. Yeah, I some people like get term some people get kind of hung up on terms. Lore is a good one. I grew up with that lore from my father, from my uncles, aunties, uh, and then a lot of elders. I've traveled around a lot and hung out with a lot of Nishnabek elders from across Ontario, Michigan, Minnesota. You name it, I've gone there. And uh, I don't know everything, but I've heard enough teachings on certain things and protocols and understanding of a lot of our teachings. So I'm not I'm by no means an expert, but I have a grasp. I have a, a, a decent grasp on it. Maybe a toehold at best, but i got a grasp. Awesome. And I like that you say that you're not an expert because I always mm. say that about myself. Yeah. You know, I'm not an expert in yeah. no way, shape, or form. That means you're willing to learn. Exactly. And, ex- and experience and you know, grow as an individual throughout your lives. And that's, that's one of the things I try and do as a person in this or in our field of bushcraft or woods lore, whatever you want to call it. It was a hundred million names for it. Totally. The humility is an amazing skill to carry. And it's sometimes it can feel like a false humility when you hear certain people talk or how they act. But that idea of humility of knowing like, A, you're not the bigger fish. B, you're not the top predator. C, there's things out here you cannot understand exactly. and you never will understand <laughs> that to me, that kind of level of understanding of humility opens you up to a much better experience than if you think, you know, everything and you think you, Oh, that was definitely this kind of call last night was a great example where we had a light in the dark, dark shadow on the trail. And it was this really ethereal light. And I'm like, we both went, hold on. We could just go on and say like, this is a light. This is one of those lights that we were right. seeing up in the Hills are there any puddles on this trail? And instead of letting our minds go crazy and be like, yeah, this is definitely a floating orb or something like that. We're like, oh, there is a puddle. Oh, the moon is hitting the puddle. Okay, yep. we, we don't have to get ourselves worked up and get ourselves into being a kind of a crazy state of, it's right in front of us, it's coming right for us. It, humility made us change our perspective, look around, observe the situation, be like, okay, that's just a puddle. We're not seeing anything crazy. Let's keep moving. That's the first thing you need to do is be objective yeah you know try and observe and part of that is our skill sets mm-hmm. also that's important for our skill sets 
And I'm not saying anybody can do that, honestly. But yeah. you always try and find, like, what is the truth of something mm-hmm. before you jump to conclusions. Totally. So, now, I'm going to talk to Ryan here for a second. Sure. So, Ryan, this... How are you? This, hi. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is not your first time to Pennsylvania, obviously. Not my first time, though. And, and this, is, this is not your first time to Pennsylvania, I've traveled through, but I haven't had a chance to stay here. Okay. So, this is my first stay. So, what are your... You know, Caleb told us about how he feels about this place. You know, what are your feelings about it? Now, you were sleeping last night because you were exhausted. Yeah. Rightly so. Nice long right, ten so. hour drive. From yes, yes. Ontario, but I I love it. This is my first real taste of deep Pennsylvania. Like I like Caleb. I've driven through on my way down to Washington, Virginia, and I've stayed in Philly before. But that was more of an urban kind of aspect of Pennsylvania, whereas. This is where we like to be, back in the woods. Yeah. This is our home. And somewhere with such a deep history. Like, in Canada, like, the deep history is the native culture there. And knowing that, but settler history only dates back 150 and change years, sort of. So just to see a town which was kind of here in the late 1700s, and just everything that was there before and just imagining what it was like back then just from dozens of rock piles scattered throughout the hills it's kind of cool to see and cool to imagine what used to be here and like Caleb was saying before how it's a second third generation forest just how clear it is but some of the trees are already huge in that past 200 years that they've been growing here like the one that we were up on the hill last night. Oh, yeah. It has the big hollow guy. up the middle. Yeah. And it's just a big maple just standing there out of the foundation of what used to be possibly that schoolhouse, I think. No, or, that was a house. The school that house was a house, was, okay. Yeah, the schoolhouse is closer to the road. Okay, right. yeah. Just, so, now, granted, you know, we were just, we kind of just did a quick walk through yeah. before it got dark, and then we were up there in the dark. So, like, maybe tomorrow we can, like, walk around no more yeah and it's just amazing to think of where my house is standing today just imagining a big old tree growing out of the living room now (laughs) (laughs) so it's kind of cool that's what kind of got me into this whole thing is just imagining history and what people were doing back in the day before us everything kind of seems like it's handed to us these days it's so streamlined and we have our struggles but at the same time it wasn't as life or death as it was back then. So. Yeah, the, these people were hard folk. Yeah, you know, they they were fortitude. Sc- yeah, yeah, scraping a living off this valley and mountain. Hundred percent. They didn't and, have an option just to lay in bed all day long and watch Netflix if they wanted to. <laughs> I'm gonna take a me day. <laughs> they're like, no, I, there, there were no, there done. were no me days then. You they, know, they took their days to kind of rest and spend time with the family, but self care was cutting firewood and making sure nobody froze to death. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, cutting the wood that you needed for the steam tannery to take down, you know, so you got the money you need to feed your family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I you couldn't farm here very limited. I mean, you the, see this terrain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's like what, an inch and a half of arable soil that might grow something? Maybe down here in, in now we're on the edge of the valley. Yeah. We're uh, actually camping at the same place where me and Tim had our first adventure here. Right. And, and where we were 
surrounded and almost it's actually almost like kind of the same night the moon's out you know we had a moonlit night just like this and we're approaching that time when all the stuff that happened to us you know which was about three o'clock in the morning about this time we were snoozing away now i'm going to ask you guys both and i'm going to start ryan just because he's right here so what's your feel of this place you know objectively you know Oh, by the way, if anybody hears what sounds like an angry bear growling, that's my friend Tom. He's up here with us, and he is actually sleeping, yep. so he is snoring. So if you hear that, that's not any of the stuff that happens here. And we'll go into that later. It's yeah. like you said, like you had said, we actually had some things happen Last the night, first yeah. night we were here. So what, what was your general feeling of this place? It feels quite isolated. And be, be, and be honest. And be yeah, honest. It feels isolated, although we are close to some infrastructure. We're 15 minutes out from the main road that got us in here. And there are some cabins along the road and as we make our way through. But you feel the sense of isolation out here. You hear a few far-off noises once in a while. But it's, it's quiet, aside from Tom snoring right now. But, <laughs> yeah, you, you just feel it and then it's one of those moments where any little groan or snap off in the woods you're turning your head yeah what was what was making that noise what was that yeah so (laughs) and and it's actually quiet tonight i mean last night we had a lot of wind last night we actually had a giant tree fall and we all were like are are we should we run for our lives what's going on what's going on and luckily you know it was off into the woods and i will give the the forest service people here they do a good job of keeping this campsite yeah. safe i haven't found any real concerning widow makers in the camp so it's they've done a very good job yeah here. yeah absolutely they they do they do plus providing us with firewood totally totally so kayla what's your what's your feel of this place and and it could be you know i, I think anything the, i think the best way i can explain is what i said last night when we were up in the village just outside of the cemetery where you have this sensation that you just walked into a building where there was a big event happening and now everyone's gone, but the energy hasn't left yet. Yeah, it that's feels a like perfect you, way like to you, describe you, it. Like you just missed it. Like something happened, but you're not there with it. You're not present at the time of it. So it's not a spooky place. There, there's like spooky moments here. But it's not like... I wouldn't say I have felt any malevolence or I think the most natural way I can describe it is casual ambivalence they're not necessarily whatever whatever the presences are out here they're not necessarily pleased we're here but they're not pissed off enough to do anything about it yeah. yet hopefully not yet. at all yet i agree i think that's the the best way i can explain the best I way i said it last night is when we were what i said last night mm. it's not the best way i shouldn't say that when we were having our little bit of an experience at at three o'clock in the morning which is coincidentally or synchronicity wise mm. the same time that stuff started for me and Tim was at around 3 o'clock in the morning yep you know we were up there and I was like we're being regarded <coughs> you know we were being That's regarded we were like. and we were like and it was kind of like you know so I was like tonight I was like well what are they if they are we are being regarded what's the decision right you know and me and Tim, when we had that that night, you know, we didn't have that regarding, you know, it was, we were being walked, something went, or some things or whatever was walking around our camp and all that. They were investigating. They were investigating us. And, yeah. you know, there was a couple of times they they came in and we say they because there was multiple knocks and right. all that. They came in and they 
left us, you know, little things saying, look, we can come into your camp. Yeah. We can do what we want, really. We can touch you if we want to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, that being said, I guess we, let's start with our experiences that we had last night. Yeah. You know, we might, since we've already talked about that, we'll it's, do the campfire stories here uh, in a moment, which are going to be fun. Yeah. But we let's start, start with, with something fresh. Yep. Yep. With something, with something fresh. So let's set the window dressing here. We, we, me and you, Ryan and Tom were sleeping. Yep. Me and you were sitting. And we're just shooting the breeze. Yeah. Shooting the breeze. You know, we weren't looking for anything to happen. And I always find that for us, the best result is just to like be there. Yep. Don't look for anything, you know, don't, don't go out there, you know, and be like, oh, I'm going to knock on trees and all that stuff. That, yeah. Once in a while we'll do that if there's active stuff going on, yep. but most of the time we just kind of are present yeah, and just let it happen. Be the audience, you don't have to be the actor. Exactly. So anyways, we were shooting the breeze, sitting on the picnic table, talking about stuff, mm-hmm. and our campsite, you know, is... At the kind of at the base of the mountain, it levels out and then it goes down in the valley in a hill towards the swamp. Yeah. So I guess we're like kind of at the beginning of the valley. Yeah. You know, kind of like like at the foot of the mountain. Yeah. And we were looking up at our vehicles, and the vehicles are what thirty yards roughly. Yeah, give or take. Yeah. From the uh, picnic table, and me and you both look up. For some reason, we both kind of looked up at the same time. And it was weird because you were facing me and you weren't looking up directly uphill. Right. And just at the same moment, I was like, I should look up the hill. You turn and look at the same time. And that's like, it was like weirdly serendipitous that we both looked at the same spot. At the yeah. Same time. And we seen, which the best way you can describe it was we saw basically... You know, what was, I don't want to say they were two glowing eyes, but we seen, you know, two red lights, two red lights, I like lights yeah. and they kind of blinked. And when I say yeah. blinked, I don't mean like blinked, like off and on. If you think about like, you can see things that look like they're blinking at you because, because there's branches moving or like you're yes. shifting your body a bit and the light kind of goes and fades and comes back real quick. This was like when a cat lazily blinks at you. The light slowly closed and then came back open again. Yep. <laughs> it was not, it, they, I'm not going to directly say they were eyes, but where they were situated, positioned from each other, it was like eyes. It was eye-like. Yeah, it was very eye-like. eye-like. And we were both like, did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then that kind of started, and now, let's just say that, we didn't automatically assume it was something, we tried to figure it out. Because it was right around where we figured the cars were. So we're like, maybe some of the moonlight's hitting the rear, like the taillights. Yes. Maybe that's going on. Maybe what's one of the security, because some of those cars have security lights that blink red in the dashboard. Yes. So maybe it's just lighting up a little bit and hitting one of the mirrors. We'll take our time and go up. And as we started to go up, we were, I, I think we got about, I don't know, 20 yards from the cars. Cause again, we're about 30, 35 yards away. Yeah. We, we, we were got, heading, we were heading a, so we were casually moving that way. Yeah, we were moving out. When I, I kind of north, yeah, northish. Yeah, when I saw something kind of between us and there, up in the canopy, mm-hmm. and I was like, "That, that's different. That, that looked almost like a green light, and it almost flashed enough to see. I, you couldn't see like the beam, but it's like when you see tail lights hit the inside of your car from the other car, where it kind of illuminated green for a second and was gone again. 
up in the canopy and I was like did you see that and you were still focused on the red but I think you said I kind of caught it yeah I caught it out of the corner of my eye and so we're like what is what? like this is not the same this is a different light this is a different color something's going on up there and that's when we decided we should go up the hill and take a look at the cars something just walked up there yeah I just heard a trump trump could have been a branch falling off we had that tree come down last night so maybe some more deadfalls coming down again. Yeah, and it was very peaceful compared to the wind. The wind was tree. Yeah, it was. <laughs> now we did have some bangs last night that you know. Now let's let's set this straight. Yeah, me, you, Ryan, Tom. Yep, we're all experienced woodsmen. Yep, we have all spent a lot of time in the woods mm-hmm. in multiple weather situations yeah. you know we we've all four have camped in the winter time yep I mean, you guys have you know your winters up there in ontario are much harder we, we than get ours the dry cold you guys get the humid cold exactly. i'd rather have the dry cold personally uh, me too honestly <laughs> but so you know we've been out yeah in storms and freezing rain all that stuff yep. so we've experienced the woods in all kinds of conditions yep so the knocks that we heard. Now we didn't have the three bang 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 like me and Tim had. No, it was different. It was different, but we did hear some, you know, knocking, or I'm just calling it knocking just as a description. Yeah, the one sounded like somebody swung a, I'd say like two, three inch thick branch into a tree trunk. Yep. But then there was one that sounded like somebody pinged a rock off of a tree trunk. Yep. There was never like the clack clack of two rocks. It was like chucking things at trees. And it was a very, it was clearly like when something comes down out of the canopy, like a tree branch or when that tree fell. Oh yeah. That was definitely awakening. That's, that's things coming down vertical and you can hear it when it's something whacking a tree, that horizontal movement, it sounds different against the bark. It sounds different against the trunk. Yeah. That was clearly things hitting the tree at a horizontal motion, not falling out of a tree and hitting the tree. Yeah. So, so we know the sounds. Yeah. Of trees smacking each other in the yeah, wind, groaning and moaning, groaning and moaning you know, yeah. tr- trees talking. Yeah. We know that. So I just wanted to kind of set that straight. You know, we're not just like a bunch of newbies out here. <laughs> Freaking out from every little sound. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like where we live, we have a lot of rough grouse and they walk at night a lot. And you'll hear what sounds like a big monster walking by. You it's start so funny how little animals sound yeah. so loud, like squirrels the, and all that stuff. The big animals aren't that loud. It's the small animals. The, the scariest sound I've ever heard in the woods was a mouse stomping by my tent. And I thought it was like a wolf <laughs> or something trotting by for 40 minutes. It was just a little uh, deer mouse hopping around in the, in the understory. I feel like the rough grouse is unique as well because you get a what you call it infrasound right yeah yeah so you more feel it than you hear so yeah at first the first time you hear it you feel like is am i having a heart attack is my heart about to beat <laughs> out my chest it was a <laughs> oh when they're doing their thumping the yeah. drumming and you kind of feel yeah. it within you yeah sort of thing we, so we have them here yeah but even yeah. their footsteps because of how their feet are made they they strut like a turkey or or a chicken yeah, I've seen them move. And you'll hear this like, shuk, shuk, shuk. and if you're not used to it, that could sound like a bull moose charging your way. And it's just a little rough grouse, a little fool hen. So, like, there's sounds out here that totally will throw off someone that's not accustomed to it. Correct. But I've been, I'm not trying to stroke my own ego here. No, or my no own, you're not. You're not. I've been hearing this shit 
for 25 years. That's what I said. You're you're very well experienced. Like, I don't know what a moose sounds like, obviously, because we don't have them here in my environment. If they're running, it sounds like a train out of control. Yeah. You, <laughs> you do, you know? Yeah. So you guys know those animals. I yeah. know my animals here. Yeah. And, I mean, we have a lot of the same animals. Yeah, whitetail, yeah. bear. Ruffed grouse, Ruffed you grouse. know, bobcat. Yep. Um, we're not even going to go into the mountain lion thing. No. We had that discussion last night, so... <laughs> Uh, but but anyways, yep. So we did hear some knocks, you know. Yeah. And did you hear them too, Ryan? You were awake for. Yeah, I heard a few. Of them. I, we all just kind of turned our heads at the same time as we were standing around the fire. Yep. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was like a single thunk like that. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, back to where we were. Yeah. So there was the the red the red eye like lights. The and green the green light the green in the canopy. Hue, I would say it was what because I never saw like the beam of whatever the source of the light was. I just saw a green hue. We always have those beams. Like you'll see a beam. Yeah. And you won't see the source. Yeah. So we'll have them in like site seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've actually seen them in Cadores State Park, which is like not isolated at all. Yeah. That was just recently. Okay. You know, like two weeks ago. Okay. No, actually, I was last week. I think we were oh, at Cadores, wow. and we we were seeing more of the UFOs. Oh, okay. And it's just like, but anyways, I'm trying not to go off tangent here. It's we so we do that a lot. Yeah, you and I are both ADHD as hell. So <laughs> our conversations go into tirades that just travel around like a meandering brook. So back to where we were. So we were seeing the beams, and we started to go up. We got to the cars, and we realized all oh, those source of lights are beyond the cars. And exactly. We, so where where the cars are parked is kind of like this. If you're looking from the from the sky and you're looking down from an eagle eye view, it's kind of like an uppercase D of these the the main road and then this little trail where we park on, and it connects on the two ends. So it's yeah. like an uppercase there's, D. There's there's a little section of woods between the yeah. parking spot and the main road. Like when I say section, like fence row. Thick. It's like a median. Yeah, just like yeah. a little median with a couple of trees, so you can see through those trees. Yeah. And again, like this forest is fairly open understory, so you can see a ways in here at night. Oh yeah. So if there's a light, like we're watching cars come two, three minutes before they get here because there's enough clearance of open uh, open space. So we can tell if a car is coming and these aren't lights coming from cars. These aren't, we had about 13 times an ATV go by. We didn't know if they were looking for their lost dog or something because they just kept going up and down the road for like, what, an hour, hour and a half? Two hours. Two it was hours. close yeah, to yeah. two hours. It was crazy. Again and again. And so, but you can tell. Like these aren't lights come from that stuff, and yeah, we're near. Is it Bower Mountain Road? Bowers Mountain Road. Bowers Mountain. So when you come in on Laurel Run Road, yeah, the campsite is right off of Laurel Run Road, like on that little turnoff, mm-hmm. and then Bowers Mountain Road goes switchbacks, turns and switchbacks straight up up the mountain, yeah. and then Bowers Mountain runs along the top of the mountain. Yeah, so like on the ridge top, you can tell when the cars are coming it's not them so we're walking up towards we we've got to the parking lot area it ain't lights from the cars it's not lights between us and the cars we were i was wrong on the gauge of where the light was it was beyond the median Mm -hmm. between the main road or and the and the parking lot so we started to walk along the trail to get up to the road and i didn't hear it and i didn't see it a lot of the times that i've experienced spooky stuff i feel it more than i hear it or see it first it takes me a while to accustom my, like, it's kind of like night vision. It takes you a little while for your body to get accustomed to the setting. Mm-hmm. So I felt like there was something further along the road going, I guess, east of us, northeast of us. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of a northeast yeah. direction. And it felt like there was a presence. There's a there's a bit of dip in the road that goes down about 30 feet. And, and then goes it goes back, up. goes back up. And it was over there on that high peak that I felt like there was, like, 
there's something over there and it's like on the road. It's not like a deer up in the trees or something. It's something on the road looking at us. Okay. And then I saw you start wandering to the West. I'm like, I'm not staying alone here. So I'm going <laughs> to follow Chad. <laughs> so, so I've been here multiple times. Totally. This is probably maybe my fourth or fifth time here. Okay. So I know this area pretty well because I've walked right. it a lot. And I like to think I should, I like to think like my, my, uh, opinion that whatever is here knows me. Yeah. And I've been gifted stuff here. Mm. Uh, I've left stuff to this place Mm -hmm. and, um, it's not to the extent of like dark hollow, which is one of my main camping spots where, right. You told us some stories with that. I'd like to get up there eventually. Yeah. Well, we're going to be in the area tomorrow. True. We can, that is true. We can take a walk. We've been trying to get a lot in for you guys. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you guys have been here since Friday afternoon and we're going to, we're just scratching the surface of what's here, honestly. But anyways, I like to think that, you know, whatever is here knows me at least. It's accustomed to you. It's accustomed. Or I'm accustomed to it. Probably. One of the two. Or both. Or both. So, that doesn't mean I'm not, I don't respect it. Totally. Sure hell, sure as hell I do, you know. Definitely. So, I'm a little more used to what goes on up here. Yeah. And like I said, I've had gifts given to me. I've given gifts to this place. So we get up there, I start following Chad along, and he starts looking up mountain, like uphill. And he's seeing a little bit of stuff. I'm still not, like, the the biggest problem I have is I got really good night vision when I'm wearing contact lenses. With these damn glasses, though, they want you to focus with those rods instead of the cones or whatever it is that makes you from peripheral vision to focus vision. So it makes me want to focus my eyes, and I can't do my peripheral, which is really where your night vision is yes. strongest. And and, that, and that's interesting because... When we uh, talk about this stuff, we say usually use your peripheral vision to start seeing the lights. Yeah. And, or whatever's in the woods. Totally. And then we go to our, our night vision. Yeah. And so I'm trying to see Our what he... Vision. So I'm trying to see what Chad's seeing. And I'm seeing the dark shadows of the trees and the rock ledges and whatnot. And I'm seeing where the moonlight's hitting so I can see the light in the dark. The problem is I'm not seeing the gray in between. And that's what Chad's starting to pick up on before I can. And it took me about a good, I'd say, 20 minutes before I could start to see really what you were seeing out there. And there'd be just things trotting by. Not deer. No. Not like deer. Trotting like they're at a good clip. They were oh, moving. Yeah. They, it was like they'd be, you know, 20 feet to your left, and then suddenly they're in front of you within half a second, and it's gone already. So now when when we say this, we're talking, to me, I was seeing definitely like bipedal. Yeah. Human shapes, yeah. Uh, size, your estimate of size. Now, I'm going to say this: you are you are a very experienced hunter. Sure, you have experience in estimating size and distance. Yep. So, Usually, except for those lights when I thought they were in front of us, not over. <laughs> the well, night, night does skew things. Exactly. I'm so, still working so, on my night vision. Kind so, of like. so your like <coughs> estimate of size, you know, estimate. Yep. Would be like human size, a little larger. The first ones that you, when I first picked up on it with you, I would say they were little taller than the head of a deer, not as high as my head, but it was also go- going up a gradient. Like we're looking up a Yeah, hill that bit. changes things also. So I would say somewhere close to human sized. Okay. And then there was that one that I saw that stood up. Oh, and you got ahead of us. Oh, yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah, but no, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so the first ones that were like fleeting past us, 
I would say taller than a deer, maybe not as tall as me or you, but definitely like within range of a, of an average human. Okay. Okay. And they were, you know, these gray forms that we've yeah. seen here before. I've chased white forms like at dusk yeah. when there's still enough light you could see. Mm-hmm. And I've seen dark shadows move across trails and yeah. roads here and the gray forms. And always, you always get these gray forms that people have seen in the trees. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And, you know, moving here. And it's always, you know, gray. I don't know why, but it seems to be... That was the, that's what threw me off, is I was looking for dark shadows, because that's what I expect with, like, a deer or a bear or whatnot, mm-hmm. or a person. This was not dark. Like, it wasn't blocking the moonlight, but it wasn't clear moonlight. It wasn't open forest floor. Right. So trying to see that in between, which, like, it sounds like we're talking about something really... Uh, like supernatural in, to, in between in the gray. It sounds like almost like hippy dippy stuff. Yeah. But <laughs> we're just I mean, describing what we were the seeing. Shade. We're literally talking about the physical shade of the shape. It was, the, it was gray. It wasn't pitch dark. It wasn't bright moonlight. It was somewhere in between gray. And they, they didn't have an obvious shape. I, yeah, it was, I, it was human-like yeah, is the best was, way to describe it. it. Was, yeah, the first one I saw looked almost like a diamond. Like, it was very narrow at the base. It was very oh, wide cool. about midway up, and then it was real narrow at the top again. It wasn't like a perfect diamond. It was like a rhombus or something. That's what I saw the first time I finally started to pick up on it. And then we started seeing, like, little blue lights and little green lights And we And we were starting to move, like, kind of south, yeah, southwest along the trail a bit. Um, along the road. Yeah. And the camp <laughs> was down was down to our left. Yeah. And we were looking uphill in, into the town. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, like... When I realized, A, like, we're camping inside of the town already still. Like, we got these foundations around us where we're sitting as we're recording right now. Yeah. But when I started looking up that hill and realizing, oh, the cemetery's, like, as the crow flies, maybe 300 yards max Yeah. from where we were. I'm like, oh, that's where we were, like, two, three, oh, actually, later than that. We went up there around 738, and now it's, like, two, three in the morning. So... I didn't realize how close we were just because of how, how winding the roads are to get around here. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's the town right there. And these things are moving in and out of the town and into the woods. And these woods were, like Ryan was saying, like to be inside of a forest that used to be a community, it, it throws you off for a second. Yeah, uh, the, these trees were gone. Yeah, this so is all open town. You have to remember, this was all open town. Three, Probably almost all the trees on the mountaintop Gone. On the mountainside, were were gone because they were actively <laughs> logging this, mm-hmm. the hemlocks, the original hemlocks that were here for the tannery. For the tannery, mm-hmm. so a lot of this was clear know, cut. Yeah, like where we're at right now, you, there was a cabin here for the first forest ranger here. Yeah, yeah. And there's a picture up by the cemetery of him and his family. Is his that son- Sunday? Sunday, yeah. yeah Sunday yeah. place, and you know him, his son's sitting there with with a with an old shotgun yep and his daughter has chickens so there's probably there was chickens and stuff free range and free chickens range and running around, around probably some pigs so probably maybe some goats or something yeah who knows <laughs> like there was a like when, when we're sitting here like the term ghost town you think of this wild west people abandoned because the oil field dried up or whatever this is a ghost town like this yeah. is this is a like it's returned back to the land. The only thing left is the rocks. Yeah, this is a, a typical. I've I've been in multiple ghost towns in PA, mm-hmm. and this is a typical Appalachian Appalachian ghost town. Yeah, I mean because you know in this environment wood doesn't last long. No, the, the, the fact that we had to struggle for like what an hour and a half to find dry firewood to start the fire, 
and just to be able to make a fire last night. Yeah, we this had six a, days of rain before you guys this got is, here. This is, when we first got here, it was the conditions of a temperate rainforest. Mm-hmm. So wood will not, like, a wooden structure won't survive. Bone won't usually survive in a condition like this. Like, I've worked in archaeology for 12 years. The, 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 to find bone of anything is a gift on archaeological sites because of how quickly everything degrades in the conditions of the soil. And humidity is one of the main things that destroy anything organic. Moisture always wins. Oh, absolutely. So to, f- to, to be standing here and being surrounded by practically cairns of homes is, it, it felt surreal to me to be seeing these things moving in and out as if my brain's like, oh, they're leaving the town. They're going into the woods. No, the woods are the freaking town. We are in their neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. We're completely in their habitat. Whatever this, we're looking at. We're in at, their home. This is theirs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we always say that, like the landscape we were guests in, at, at best you can belong to a landscape. You can't own a landscape because you're just organic matter. You're going to rot away just like everything else here. You don't own this shit. It belongs to those things. It belongs to the things of the land. And whether those are from human spirit or from otherworldly or other dimensional or other spectrum beings or it's a cryptid, they belong here. They are of this land. And so it was like this profound impact in my brain of like, I've been in spooky situations. I've been in scary situations and I've always known like these belong to the land, but to be in their town, this is theirs. This has been theirs for centuries, if not millennia for certain ones that we're dealing with here, or at least experiencing here. I don't say we're dealing because we weren't participating with them. We were we were observing. We were witnesses. Yeah, we were witnesses. I mean, there were once or twice. You know, they and when we say that, they knew we were here. Yeah, and they were interacting. Whatever with us. they were, they were interacting. But everything is on their terms yeah. here. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We were talking about it last time when we first started to explore it, and you were kind of giving me your advice from your experience, which I really appreciate, by the way. Um, you've got a font of knowledge that you've got yourself. Don't ever sell yourself short, Chad. You've got a lot of information in that brain of yours. But the, what the, little there's left. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the best way I can explain how I deal with these kinds of moments is they're another, like I was saying, they're of the land, they're of this landscape, they belong here. It's the same as if I'm camping in heavy bear country. You don't have to be terrified of the bear. You don't have to be scared of every footstep you hear in the woods or every crack of a branch. But you got to follow certain protocols so that you don't burn yourself out there. Knowing how to hang a bear hang, how to where to put your food, how to make sure you don't bring scent back into your camp with you, all that kind of stuff. That's protocol. And to know the protocol for this landscape and these beings... That's critical to have not a bad experience, I think. Exactly. Totally. Exactly. So it was, yeah, we were along the road. We were seeing these little, every once in a while you'd see like a blue light, sometimes one red light. I didn't see those eyes, like the two red dots again. Yeah, we didn't see them anymore. It was just like. It was almost like they checked us out and left. Yep. That one. Yep. And then the green and the blue kept going up. And I <laughs> You, you had to say the one thing that made the hair stand up on my neck where you're like, sometimes when there's a lot of that activity, that's a distraction of what's going on behind you. And immediately I'm turning around, checking behind well, me. Well, we had that. I mean, yeah. when they we were, were moving around Well, we were camping here and you'd hear the knock. Yep. The next thing you know, you'd hear movement yep. on the other side. Yeah. And it's like, we're being distracted for another one to re- Go do, do whatever, yeah. whatever they were trying to do. If you guys see me, I'm just like constantly scanning. Yeah. I, I do that to begin with. Yep. And then like earlier when you were talking, I heard a, like a little thwack up yep. there. So sometimes the re- it was it was weird because we all heard we all heard that whack, that first whack, and then like what sounded like a rock tr- uh, hitting a tree. Mm-hmm. And what was it like five minutes later? That big tree came down. Yeah. It was like that's not the right timing to make us want to shit our pants. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like we were already kind of like, oh, there's things happening. Bam, 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 bam. It's like, oh god. And, and that was just a tree coming down. Yeah, that wasn't nothing like nothing else weird. Nothing crazy. Yeah, it just was like literally just a tree yeah. falling in the woods. Just and a serendipitous moment to freak us out. So, so we were moving along the road. Yeah, we were going along. Seeing the road. gray shapes, and you saw the gray shapes first, and I started to pick up on them. I'd say about twenty, twenty-five minutes into it, and then I paused for a moment. And in our culture, so I'm in Anishinaabek. Uh, some people refer to us as the Ojibwe Nation. We believe that like spirits, whether they're human spirits or spirit beings like Menadawak or Manitou is what some people say them as, their language isn't Ojibwe. Their language isn't English. Their language isn't anything like that. It's song. You listen to the, like last night we had a Kedidids. 
you hear in the morning when the sun rises, the first language you hear is bird song. Animals, all the animals, the trees, everything sings. And so when we're dealing with beings that are, I'll use the term supernatural, not in the sense of that they don't belong to nature, but in the sense of they are beyond our perspective or our perception. Our natural eyes can't perceive all of it. So that, in that sense, is supernatural. We'll sing. We'll speak in our language, but we'll sing. If you're surrounded by Christian burials, you may want to sing some Christian songs. Uh, in our traditions, we sing, usually when we're, especially when we're dealing with scary things, we'll sing about the bears because the bears are our protectors in our culture. The bear nation, the, the Mokwanon or Mokwag are our allies. They take care of us. They protect us. And so things felt a little spooky to me. They were going beyond spooky into the, I feel not safe, but not in danger yet. So I started singing a bear song and we started hearing a lot more activity and things started moving a lot faster around us. And that's when I saw something stand. I saw a gray shape that was like, mm, I'm, I'm from Canada, so I'm going to use the metric system, so forgive me to all your audience. <laughs> That's okay. I'd say it was about a meter off the ground, like the height of it was about a meter tall. And I was like, okay, that's about the same size as what me and Chad just saw a second ago. And then it stood up, and it was well above my height. And, yeah, I and, just, you're, and you were not a, a small guy. Uh, I was 6'1 before my fall in Wyoming, and I'm about 5'11", 6 foot on a good day. Yeah, we're about roughly the yeah, same height. Yeah, about that. And so I just took a very polite step back and then per- continued singing. And it just kept staring at me. I couldn't see its eyes, but it was clearly not looking anywhere else. Yeah. It was squaring up a little bit. You could, you could feel like when you were doing that and then you said, whoa, it just stood up and you could feel like, oh, you know, you know, things changed a little bit there. The, the, the attitude and the environment, everything seemed a little agitated from the singing, but it's my traditions. It's what I was taught to do in these situations. So I continued to sing, but I sang a little quieter. And I took a step back to let it know that I'm not trying to challenge it, whatever it may well, be. Well, you even said that. You, yeah. I even, you were just like, like, whoa, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to, yeah, I'm to not challenge you. Yeah, I'm not challenging you. You're bigger than me. I'm stepping back. Be submissive. <laughs> That's <laughs> when a big dog shows up. A small dog rolls over for a reason, <laughs> unless they're a Jack Russell and they try to beat the crap out of a Rottweiler. But well, not all of us have common sense. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Dog or human. Uh, yeah. that In that situation, I had the rare mineral known as common sense, and I stepped back and made sure I didn't make myself look like I was trying to challenge it. I did the opposite of what you do with a bear. I backed off, subdued myself, and let it do its thing. And by the time I looked back up, because I even averted my eyes, because that's a natural thing to do to show submissiveness, is you don't stare at something. In our culture, you don't ever stare at people. Like, it's just flat-out aggression. Just like when you when you have an aggressive dog, or you got wolves, you don't look them in the eye. Bear is trying to act offensive. You don't look it in the eye. You keep an eye on the animal, but you don't look it in the eye. So I averted my eyes. You and I were talking a little bit. When I looked back up, it was long gone. Whatever it was was gone. It, it moved on. It was like, but it was a flash. I looked down, looked up, gone. And the fact that it moved so casually to stand up and just show itself. I wasn't expecting it to disappear in a flash like that. Like I literally blinked my eyes away, blinked my eyes back and it was gone. And that was when I was like, this is this, the, the attitude here's changed. It wasn't malicious yet. And it hadn't, it never really got malicious last night. I wouldn't say anything there was outright trying to attack us or scare us off or nothing. No, But you could tell that either they 
sure didn't appreciate them savage Indian music or <laughs> they didn't like the sound of my voice, something. They were they went from observing us to kind of being irritated with me, so I shut up after that and didn't sing anymore. I think some of it to me as an outside observer yep. was this is your first time here. Yeah. It's new to you. Yeah. You know, now I'm not saying like I like I've said before, it's not like I'm saying like, oh, you know, that you know I'm the expert. I'm the expert here. Not in any way, shape or form. But I've been here and and and, you know, it's just kinda like you go to a place, you become familiar with the feel of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just saw a real big shape and I realized it was just a tree. No, no, no. (laughs) So as we're talking, me and you are and probably Ryan too are like observing we taking things in. Ryan and I specifically strategically set ourselves across the fire so he can watch my back while I watch his back. We we do that. (laughs) Me and Tim do that. There's been times where it's like off the rails Mm -hmm. and we're standing back to back. Yep. Because you have like it's the safest position. It's the safest position. You have that noise there, you have that noise there. We we cannot both observe Mm -hmm. and um see what's going on totally so but no it, to me it was like it was just like they were you know they were regarding both of us yep trying to decide what to do and they're just like well who's this guy and why is he you know what's he saying what's he saying and yep. and then you had said like i said yeah they don't understand in your tradition they yep. don't understand human speech anymore you know yep. it's it's singing is what it is you know and I, I, I totally agree with that. I yeah. totally agree with that. You know, music is very powerful, mm-hmm. and it's something that's in nature, and in, uh, even in like books. You know, if you look at like the works of Tolkien, yeah, or even like um, C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, like Aslan sang sang the world into existence. Mm-hmm. Um, Iru from Tolkien sang yep. the world into existence. Multiple culture say singing yeah. brings things into into existence and i totally Definitely. agree with that you know totally you know the world you know i mean even the stars have sounds yeah you know when when they pick them up on radio totally. telescopes and stuff like that so you got you got the blip that happened down the south pacific right where really mm-hmm. a for cthulhu is <laughs> yeah and that's a song yeah so yeah to so song is powerful you yeah. know and in, in all traditions and cultures mm-hmm so I was, I was kind of like, yeah, they're trying to figure him out, you know. They're trying to figure out, you know, what's he doing, and they're checking me out, yeah. testing me a little bit. I mean, to me, this place, there might be some human ghosts, you know. Sure, sure. There's a graveyard right there. Yeah, human spirits here, and and me and you and and Ryan and Tom when we were checking out the town in the morning, yeah. and I said the graveyard's always quiet here. Yeah, it's the activity is in the town and around and in the, yeah. the woods yeah. environment around it. And it's because this is where people lived, loved, yeah. died, you gave know, birth. worked, yeah, gave birth. Yeah. You know, they, they lived their lives here. Yeah. That, so to me, that's where the real action is. Yeah. We definitely were feeling that last yeah. night. You know, there, I think that to me, there was some things moving in there that were just kind of doing their thing. Yep. And there were others that were kind of watching us yeah, and keeping just an eye on keeping us. Keeping an eye on us. And as we moved down the road and we were moving closer to the uh, cemetery, you know, we both were kind of like, I, to me, I was like, yeah, we, it, it seemed to ramp up as we were getting closer to that area. Yeah. And it was just like, that was not for us no. last night in any way, shape, and, or and form. And you brought up a really good point. We started going down and I saw something further down the road. Oh, we both did. And <laughs> yeah. we're like, oh, we, sh- like, we can go and take a look at that. 
And then you point out, we have two guys back at the camp completely exposed because they're sleeping. Yep. This is negligent for us to keep going on our own. Let's go back. And, and that out. was actually my words. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I completely agree with you. Let's head back. And we started coming back. And that's when we saw that shimmer that turned out to be mm-hmm. a puddle. Mm-hmm. And that was like, from, to me, that's that was like the confirmation that what we just experienced is what we experienced. Yep. Because we took the time with everything we looked at. We didn't just go, I saw a light. There's orbs out here. Yeah. We went, that's a light. What is the cause of that light? Is it the moonlight reflecting yep. off something? Is it a car coming down the road? Is it a biolemin? You found a glowworm last night? Yeah, we, we found it. You saw, was that the first time you saw one of these? I've never seen a glowworm. We've got bioluminescent fungi where I live. So mm-hmm. you'll see like this like indiglow color, like the old indiglow watches from Timex. Yeah. You'd see, you'll see that on logs where I live. Oh, that's cool. And it's a bioluminescent, there's a ty- different, different, different types. One of them is a type of oyster mushroom and stuff. I don't know all of them. If Luke or Radic are listening to this podcast, my buddies who are mycology dudes, they're probably laughing their asses off at me trying to explain this. But they're bio, there's bioluminescent and there's biofluorescent fa- uh, flora as well out there that if you have a certain type of shade of light, it'll glow in a, dir- in a certain way. Which we didn't have that. No, we had, <laughs> we had a glow worm. Yeah. We had a glow worm. And like but the, the light blue colors were like, could that be bioluminescence? No, because that moved. Okay. Yeah, it was a glowworm. And as we were coming, oh, right, there was that red light that went up. That was on our yeah, way back. Yeah, yeah. So that was on the way back. Yeah. So let me let me say this quick. Yeah. It is October 8th. Yeah. It was probably like... It was hovering above freezing. It was hovering above freezing last night. Yeah. And so there was no fireflies. No. There's no lightning all. bugs at all. No, you know. So any insect life we did have was during the day when we had the Katie Diz when it was warmer. Yeah. Other than that, there was no insect not life no. at all active. That glowworm was the only bug we saw. We've seen night. them in the middle of winter. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say next. Like you've told me, they live in freezing conditions. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to see them, but they're not up in a tree, you know, going left or right several yards. No, they're apart. just along the in the ground glowing. Yeah. You know? So that's not what we're seeing up in those trees up in the absolutely hills. not. So we were coming back. We saw that glow, that shimmer turn out to be a puddle, and Mm -hmm. that's like, okay, cool. That's confirming that we have been critical of what we're looking at. We're not just losing our minds in the woods. Yeah. We're not tripping balls. (laughs) (laughs) And then we started to walk back towards the camp, and you had three of your lanterns on the table, and then there was a fire. And the fire had been dying down just like it is right now. Yep. Yeah, we're going to have to stoke that a little bit. Occasional flame, but it wasn't, you know, a ripping fire. And the wind was going, but your lanterns were not, you know, going crazy. They were either sputtering down low or just glowing. Yeah. And as we were starting to walk, I saw what looked like... The the best way I can describe it is the, at the speed it was moving and the direction it was moving. Picture if you lit the tail of a pine squirrel on fire and it went up a tree. That's the speed and the movement that I saw. Was just this, like, not a ball of fire, but this bright red light, like the flames and the embers going straight up a tree. And I thought originally it was like only about 15, 20 yards in front of us. And then as we turned around the trees up there, we realized, no, that's right in the camp. That yeah. was like right Which kind of alarmed me a little bit. Because <laughs> yeah. it was like beside, right beside your tent. Well, actually, it was above my tent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it was, was all but, it was like a, one tree over from that. And I'm like, yeah. holy crap. <laughs> you know. And, but it was, it, again, it wasn't a ball of fire. It was just like this flaming color. Like, again, I never saw the sources of light. I would only see, like, the, the hue of the light, the ambiance of it. Yeah. And it went straight up the tree, and you caught it near the tail end. But it was, we, I was like, 
at first I was like, because it was, I was so discombobulated coming back down because we had the lanterns up on the table, the fire over here. I was like, was yeah, that? so it was a little easier for me because yeah. I know the terrain. the terrain and the landscape. Yeah, so I was like, was that the lanterns? And you're like, no, it was like, was that the fire? No, the fire's there. And you pointed right at the fire. And from our position, all the lanterns are to the left of the fire. Yep. And this was right of the this fire. This was higher up, like, at, higher anyways. And like 10 yards to the right of it. Like nowhere close to all these sources of light. Yeah. So it's like, unless a squirrel had spontaneous combustion just happened, something happened over here that I can't explain. Yeah. So that was funky. I that was it really was funky and like I said, a little unnerving. <laughs> a little bit because now they're in the camp, not surrounding Speaking us. Speaking of in the camp, so that was not the end. Oh yeah, that was not the end. So we got back, mm-hmm. and by then it's like three thirty. Three thirty. Oh no, it was three. So we started up there around two. Two thirty ish. Two thirty ish. We got back down around three, and I was asleep by three o five. Yeah, <laughs> we, it, were, we were both. I, I crawled in bed. And I, it took me a little while because it always takes me a while to get comfortable and yep. situated. And and, uh, and you're finally, all hopped up on a bunch of coffee, too. Yeah, I was drinking a lot of coffee. <laughs> I got into my hammock, and I've got a, a hammock with an under quilt and top quilt, like a sleeping bag that goes around me in the hammock. So you were using a hammock. Yeah. Uh, Tom's using a tent. Ryan's in a tent. Ryan's in a tent. My tent is just kind of like... A shelter with a bug fly. Yeah, there's the only sticks yeah. are just to hold the thing out. Yeah. Ryan and Tom have the the dome style tents, yep. you know, with with poles, the classic camping tents, yep. and then I have a a tarp that goes over my hammock, and that's what just sheds rain and keeps out the humidity and stuff. This is just from my experience over the, my lifetime seeing stuff or experiencing things. Everything that's weird, like really weird, that happens to me directly is around three thirty five in the morning. It's like on the dot every time three thirty five, and so I'd fallen asleep by like three o five, and. I woke up because I thought Ryan was getting up to go take a leak, but I didn't hear footsteps. I just heard something moving past me, but no, yeah. like, crunch, crunch, crunch. Yep. had that happen. I was like, huh. <laughs> I heard that, and I was just starting to doze again when I heard the... As a, what sounds like a finger dragging horizontally along my tarp, and I could see... And, and nothing in, sounds like that, by the no, way. No, it's, it's, it's a like synthetic a, fabric tarp. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not going to sound like a branch going by... It sounds like a finger with a bit of a nail dragging down the tarp. And I, in the moonlight that was just starting to drop behind us, like behind the mountain, not behind us, I could s- almost see the line in the tarp of something going Oh, wow. Along. See, that's pretty cool. It, it wasn't obvious, but like it seemed like that motion was going along with the sound I was hearing. And then it stopped, and I never heard anything leave, but I couldn't see anything outside of the tarp. So I just pulled my phone out, checked the time, 3.35. And I just literally said, yep, and went back to sleep. Because <laughs> if it wanted to hurt me, it could have just hurt me. It well, just was making a sign and walking away. Uh, like me and Tim had, mm-hmm. this place likes to let you know <laughs> that if they want to mess you up, they can. You know, yeah. we, we had the spring turned into yeah. the paracord. When you told me that story, the hair got up on the back of my yeah. neck real quick. And I had, when I woke up before that happened, I think something came in and shook the top of the tarp yep. uh, when I was here the first time camping yep. or actually yeah the first time shook the top of the tarp over my head yep and then I saw the the shadow from the moon so yeah this place likes to let you know that it can reach out and touch you if it wants if to. it wants to you yeah. know it there's never like 
malevolent benevolence. It's just more like, you know, an hey, ambivalent annoyance. Ambivalent annoyance. You know, you are here, you are a guest, just so you know I can I can hurt you if I decide. In a in a naturalist perspective, picture sitting in your chair at your campfire and a bear brushes past you. That's the feeling that I had last. Like, okay, they're letting me know they could have knocked me out if they wanted to or knocked me and, off. And you were like, you're out. Yeah, I'm not right by the fire. No, I'm you're close to you're close to some of the rock shelters. Like, yeah. you're out a little ways towards where... Yeah, there's not a lot of good hammock trees in this spot, so I had to go a little bit further out than the others. And, and, and let's make this clear. This woods here is open. Yeah. This was not a branch in the wind. No, there's nothing nearby. Going me. along your tarp shelter. First off, you would have never set your tarp up in an area like that no, anyways. No, you know, we all know stuff that. around my tent would not be, or my hammock would not be comfortable. Yeah, it would cut your, cut your tarp. Yeah. So let, let's just, you know, stress that. Yeah. So that. I was, w- I was in between two tulip poppers <coughs> and there's, I'd say, 15 feet minimum to the next tree. Yeah. It was nothing yeah. rubbing there, you no, know. And it was, and it wasn't a scratching sound. It was the, like, I'm going to hold my jacket out and make the sound as best I can. Like, like that dull finger. Yeah, just drag. something moving along the fabric. Yeah. I, I know that sharp. sound. Yeah. yeah. I've put stuff on my tent and it will slide. Yeah. Because the nylon is slippery. Yeah. So. Very similar sound to that, but I had nothing hanging off my tarp or nothing. So. And it went along. It didn't fall off. Yeah, it just was moving horizontally. Yeah. So and that then, was your further experience. That was my last experience of the night. Of the night. The next morning, we had a, I had one sighting of something, but that was after what we heard from the other guys in the camp. Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, did you have anything happen? And if you didn't, that's okay too. You know, either way, he was dead to uh, the world. Yeah, nothing contacted me from the realm <laughs> I was in at that moment. We could have had a bomb go off, and I think Ryan would have just. You were exhausted, over. like yeah. you were standing there. I, I saw you standing by the fire, and then one time, like before. You went to bed, and I thought you were going to fall in the fire because you were your eyes were like kind of half closed, <laughs> and you were leaning, doing that tilting thing. Yeah. But so Tom, my friend Tom, yeah. okay, Tom is not one to exaggerate. No. He accepts stuff, mm-hmm. and he doesn't go looking for any of this stuff to happen to him. Yeah. He he honestly he never wanted to come to this place, ever. Like, I was like, hey, you need to go camping here. It's really cool. And he's like, I am not going to pandemonium. <laughs> he has said that to me multiple times. And yep. I was actually shocked that he was willing to come up here. Which I'm really thankful for because I really enjoy Tom's presence. He's oh, he cool he dude. is so, you know. Yeah, you know, I he, really like him. He's 68 years old. Which is stunning to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't look like it. No, and they, he's just and such a great individual. Yeah. S- such a great individual. Great, great pleasure to have in camp. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a really good friend of mine. That was something coming down the hill. I'm not sure if it was like a branch breaking coming down or what. Could be a deer. I heard a knock and then I heard some steps. Yeah. A knock and some steps? I heard the knock in the tree. Okay. Snap, and then I heard what, <laughs> like <laughs> leaves yeah, rustling. Well, it's 2.15. Okay. So that's getting close to when close things to when started happening yesterday. Yeah. So Tom was, Tom told me in the morning, yeah. he said, well, I'm sleeping and I heard yelping behind his tent. Right. So that puts it kind of off to that side. Yeah. Yeah. Further to the east. And I'm surprised that nobody else heard it. And I, I think he said it was between three thirty and four. Yeah. I was knocked right out. We, we were both out by then. He was, I heard yelping and then he said he was sleeping and he felt something reach through his tent 
and rubbed the bottom of his foot yeah. with like a finger. Yeah. And he's not one to exaggerate in no. any way, shape, or form. You know, and he didn't say it was like, oh my God, this happened. He just said, he just kind of matter of fact, like, yeah, I heard yelping and I was sleeping and I felt something like reach through. through, And I was just kind of like, okay. (laughs) He like, he just laid there, just left it happen because he just was like, too tired. Well, I I think it was just kind of like acceptance. Like, you know, he's heard the stories. Ryan, Ryan, I think put it best yesterday. He was calling, he was describing that the, the presence that both him and Tom have is like an accepting agnostic. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, there might be something more out there. I don't know, and right, that's okay. <laughs> no, I, everybody's like opinion is is okay. Yeah. And, well, I mean, like that's the phrase. Like, I don't. There's there might be something more out there. I don't know, and that's okay. But that's okay. That's yeah, okay that I don't yeah. know. Yeah, and and he's like, yeah, I just kind of was just like, what was that? Okay, well, I'm just going back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so we were all at that point of the night. I think where yeah, you 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 could have a Sasquatch dancing and a kill playing a bagpipe, and we are too tired to give a shit, really. No, we we wouldn't have cared at that point, honestly. We wouldn't have cared about that, but, uh, honestly. That was the I think that was the last thing in the dark that happened. Yes, yes. So in the morning. Mm-hmm. We're all relaying what happened to us. Ryan was yeah. still getting ready to wake up. We were just getting the coffee going. And that's when Tom told us the toe thing, and I mentioned the tarp thing. Which shocked me, because I, I was like, wow, you know. Now, Tom's been in Dark Hollow with me. He's yeah. been in, he, he's had some experiences of his own, and but he's not like somebody like like me that goes out looking for this stuff. He's he not just seeking it. No, it just happens to him, yep. you know. But anyway, so we were discussing what, what we had. Yeah, and while you and I and Tom were talking, I noticed what... So I don't know if you guys have them. I know you have gray squirrel down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we live in Ontario, we have what's called a black morph gray squirrel. We, uh, we do have them Okay, here. so you have black squirrels here, okay? We do. I'm not this, saying here in this area. Yeah. I'm just saying we do Th- have them in Pennsylvania. This wasn't a black squirrel that I saw. It was, again, one of those, like... I'm not sure I'm seeing, like, rhomboid shapes or diamond shapes. This was, like, a little black kite jumped from tree to tree going from right to left from yeah. where we're standing right now and while we're chatting I just saw it go whoop, and it went and gone and there was like three tulip poplars in a row and it looked like it was going boom 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 yep and uh, then, up near the cars yeah it, and yep. then nothing past that and I was like kind of looking around trying to see if it was a squirrel going around the tree there was nothing up there it could have been a shadow from a raven or a crow or something but it was so down it was so low in the canopy yeah the it was it was never been down there. low and the sun was up high enough that, the, that there's no way it would have bounced like that Right. You know? So I was like, oh, that was something different. And then I was like, oh, I should go get Ryan up. It's nearly 930. We still got to make a decision what we're doing because we want to go to the Alba Twitch Festival. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just getting over to Ryan. He's already waking up and getting his boots on. So I came back and we were packing things up. To, oh, no, we went up to get stuff from the car. We yeah. went to go get the cooler and bring it down to decide if we we're going to make breakfast or not. And as we're walking up, there's not a lot of pine where we are. It's mostly tulip poplar and maples, I've noticed. And hemlock. And hemlock, hemlock. yes. Yeah. It's hemlock and white pine here. Yeah. And so walking up the trail, I'm always looking at my feet because, A, this trail is kind of steep, so I'm making sure my footing is safe. But also, I'm just like naturally looks at the ground. I'm a tracker. I love studying wildlife. I'm always looking for new plants and stuff. So I'm looking down, I see uh, pine cones, uh, long white pine cones along the trail on the side a little like they were I don't want to say uphill but they're higher up than the trails because the trails worn into the ground a bit and they're one of them's let's say the, the best way to describe is perpendicular to the trail another one is parallel with the trail and the other one is off to the side and you can see that they're kind of been there for a while because they got a bit of an imprint in the ground I'm like oh cool pine cones kept on walking up 
and we're walking single file behind each other to get up to the cars. You and I grab the cooler, start bringing it back down, and as we're walking down, the two pine cones that I saw, the one that was perpendicular and the one that was parallel, were now resting against each other parallel with the trail on the trail almost right in the middle of it. And what was really weird is when we came back to check a look at them again because we had to finish getting the cooler down, I pointed out to you, like, you sure they weren't there before? I'm like, no, you can see the indents. You went, oh, okay. And we went back down. We came back. I was like, well, maybe we, you know, knocked them down or something. As yeah, we, we were trying, trying to s- make sure that it wasn't like a... And so I picked them up to put them back in their original position to show you, and there was indents in the ground. Yeah. Like as if they had been there for days or months. And, and they weren't. No, I know that because I had gut- seen... And you can I, see their original indents. Yeah, I had seen the pine cones multiple times as I'm yeah. walking up and down the trail. I'm like, oh, pine cones, you know. I should show them to Caleb. And yeah. they weren't in that position. Not at all. They were they were perpendicular to the trail. Yeah. Weren't in line with the trail like no. they were touching, en- almost like, they I don't want to say end to end, but the ends were beside each other. They're the zigzag, t- they were in the zigzag Tetris shape. Yeah. For those who want to yeah. get a good image of what it was, it's the zigzag Tetris shape. So that, that was kind of weird. It was, just, it was like, it wasn't spooky. It was just, just like, how did that happen in the time frame that we did this? And, and it wasn't like, what I'm going to say this. When we say they were indented, it wasn't like somebody stepped on them and, and squished them. No, it's them. like they've been sitting there for months. Yeah, because they would have been crushed if yeah. somebody had stepped on them. They were pristine. Yeah. They were in great So that, that was unique. That now, was my last thing that I experienced here before we left for Albatwitch. Now, when you told me yeah. that you saw the black shape. Yep. I actually did see that. Oh, you did? Yeah. Before you did. Oh, really? But I didn't like... Immediately connect? I was just like, oh, I'm seeing things. Yeah. Because stuff like that, I'll kind of like dismiss at first because... Could be one of those like little floaties in your eye or something. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, maybe, you know... I mean, even when you said that, I was like, when you told me it was like kind of kite shaped, I'm like, did you see a bird? I was trying to make sure you didn't see like a bird come down. No, it was like a diamond shape. It was like a... No, and there was no noise to it. None. Now, when I saw it, it was moving left to right. Okay. Which way did you see it go? Right to left. So it went back. Yeah. Now that's wild. So I saw it and I just kind of dismissed it. And mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, I'm just seeing things. Let's just... that." Now I've seen like quick sh- slips like that here, mm-hmm. here in a day. Yeah. So there is stuff that does happen during the day. Well, that was like, again, 9.30 is when I went oh, to Oh, it was in the morning Ryan. for sure. And this is minutes later. Or minutes before. Like minutes before I went to check on Ryan. So that was the last thing we had happen here. I mean, In before morning, we left. Yeah. Before we left. We got back and it was already pretty much dark. Yeah. We got here just as the sun was dropping. Now, and I kind of went to bed because I was exhausted. <laughs> you had enough time to make a couple of hot sandwiches and then you went right to bed I, after you stuffed them down I your crashed. belly. I crashed. Now, when I was laying in the tent, I did yell to you because I heard a screech out going off. It took me a couple times to hear him because... You guys were talking. That's yeah, why you Tom didn't hear him. That's why I said, com- hey, Caleb, was that a screech out? <laughs> we were having a solid conversation and then I just hear Chad go, Caleb. I'm like, oh, God, am I too loud? You hear that screech owl? And uh, Tom was continuing to talk for a second. I was like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. I listen... And I heard what sounded like the very tail end of the yeah, of that the, trill. Yeah, they, they got that kind of horse whinny sound. Yeah, I. It, it's always been funny because that was the first spooky sound I ever heard in the woods that I didn't know exactly what it was, and it took me about five months to figure that that's a screech owl. When I which was is about, so funny because they call them screech owls, but they don't sh- they screech. Don't screech. They it's, trill. It's, it's so funny. <laughs> oh, and one thing I wanted to say was yep. After last night, yep. after we had our experience, mm-hmm. and we and we were going to bed, 
there was a bunch of barred owls up on yeah. the mountain just yeah. going now i'm mentioning Monkey owls screaming. because owls are like a thing yep. for us so if we hear owls you pay attention we, we pay attention it's one of the kind of like signposts right you know of you know even with like alien activity and all that stuff i've heard about that before yeah it, it there's a connection there yeah. And it's it's ancient. It's old. Yeah. Real old. But yeah, we heard like barred owls having a party. Yeah, monkey screams. Monkey screams going going on. And and that's the thing. Barred owls, like I've heard barred owls, like they sound like a bunch of freaking baboons going yeah. off. And if you're not experienced with that <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, most people think the hoo 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 you yeah. know, they hear that and they, they cooks, know it's cooks barred owl. All. But they could sound like monkeys. Yeah. You know, and that's what I was hearing last night. And I said, and I even said to you in the morning, I said, "Did you hear all those barred owls going off?" You're like, "Yeah, they were, they were loud. They were loud." <laughs> I almost want to yell at them just because I'm like, "I'm trying to sleep." Yeah, stop. Yeah, I actually find it comforting. Oh yeah, I, the, the 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 classic hoot I love. Gokokon, uh, the, the the barred owl is a. A lot of Ojibwe's are afraid of owls. A lot of indigenous nations will stop what they're doing when there's owl calls because it's oh, often, that's, inter- that's interesting information. Kiowa, from what I've heard, I haven't met too many Kiowa folk. I met a lot of Kiowa Apache, but they're a different nation altogether. From what I heard in my from my elders, Kiowa would actually stop wherever they were traveling if they heard a barred owl, they would turn back. I've been to Lakota Wopala ceremonies, and if a barred owl or a great horned owl starts hooting, they'll pack up their bundles and go to bed. Like, they'll just stop whatever they're doing. Nishnavik, some do. Some are afraid of them. They won't look them in the eye. They don't like the sound of owls in the daylight, things like that. I wasn't raised with those teachings. I've never been afraid of owls. I've never had teachings to tell me to be afraid of owls. But we look at them as, like, a messenger. Yeah. And so when we hear and, them, and, and we And to pay us, attention. it's like a harbinger, like a signpost. Yeah, pay yeah. attention more. If you weren't paying attention, pay yeah. attention now. And so we pay attention, we listen, we, and that's when you usually want to observe. But it was 4.15 in the damn morning. Oh, I no, we were done. We were done at that point. <laughs> you can send me the messages in the morning. You can text me then. Um, <laughs> so tonight, when you heard the screech owl, was, did you guys have anything? I was out, so I had no idea. Nothing did, really happened then. Okay. I, I heard a couple of, like, thwacks. But it wasn't anything as clear as we heard last night. Like, every once in a while you hear, like, a branch pop. But it wasn't that classic horror, like, what we heard the night before, the horizontal swing of a tree. Yeah. I want to take this time to thank our patrons. Thank you so much, patrons. Thank you for everything you do. We could not do Strange Familiars without your help. Nor would we want to. Exactly. Without the patrons, nada. No strange familiar. (laughs) If you like what we do, if you like the content we make, and you want to help us make more, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. We love making this content. We love doing it. But doing things like on-site episodes, it costs money, costs gas money, costs time. We got to go out and make this stuff. Obviously, it's something we love doing, but it also costs money. So Patreon is essential for us to continue the podcast and continue to bring you on-site shows like the one tonight. Not only do our patrons get to help us make the show, but they get extra content besides they get two free full episodes of Strange Familiars every month, exclusive for our patrons. And every week they get commercial-free versions of the regular episodes to check out all the different levels of support you can go to Patreon again. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars.
it's crazy because right now it's like dead silent. Yeah, this is night and day compared to what we had last night with the wind. Yeah, there's been moments where I pause and you can feel something somewhere around, something's coming around. Yeah, you, but it's nothing as in your face as what was going on last night. With but us. but what blows me away is like 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 right now it's like it's silent. Yeah, there's dead like silent. you think there would be animals moving around and, mm-hmm. and and stuff, and it's just like we had a vole or a mouse or something. Ryan went up to check, so we had a light while you were sleeping. There was a red light up at the cars, and we're like, "Was it a red light? No, it was a no, bluish light, it was bluish white, whitish, just like looked like a glowing orb." Yeah, and yeah. S- they saw it first, and then they said, "Caleb, I was cutting some wood," and they said, "Caleb, Hold do on. you see that?" It's so fun. So we'll hear these calls and stuff right when we're talking. Yeah, and, and as soon stops. as you stop, it's it like they're mirroring your sound. Yeah. Anyways, so, go ahead, guys. I'm sorry. I'm cutting wood, and then Tom and Ryan go, Caleb, do you see that light? And I couldn't see where I was. Like, you need to come over here and look from where we're standing. I went right. Yeah, the angle the in the woods, the angles like it's can change trees. things so yeah. quickly. So I get over, and we're looking at it, and Tom goes, I look like it moved. I stared at it for a good solid like 30 seconds. I went, that's not moving. I don't know what that is. It might just be a light in one of the cars or on one of the cars. And Ryan went, screw it. And he just started walking up the hill. I was like, oh, okay, we're doing that. Well, I'll stay here. And if he doesn't come back, we knew he got eaten. And he goes up. And then So I now hear, we know why you keep him around. <laughs> Here's the thing. As an indigenous man, I must have a white man to sacrifice first before I get killed. Like, it's, it's the opposite of what you see in the classic horror movies. We're the, we're the ones that get out before shit happens. <laughs> So he goes up, and then we're looking at the light, and then he hits his car uh, his car key fob, and the lights turn on, checks, make sure the doors are locked, and he comes back down, and he goes, it's the reflection off the windshield. That's cool. It's so, like the moon. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's the point. Yeah. You have to do that. Yeah. yeah. It, Just I, like the shimmer in the in the shadow last night. Some of these people, like, it, they go out, and it goes with intent. To us, intent is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And some of these people go out, and I'm not naming names. I'm just saying objectively. Yeah. And they're, they're so keen on something happening. Mm-hmm. They just, every little thing, you're like, oh, man. Oh, you know. And we don't do that. I mean, you were with me last night. You know I don't yeah. do that. You were standing still more than you were moving. They, and I'm just listening, observing, paying attention. And some of these people are just so keen they want it to happen so badly. They'll go chasing it. For They'll it. go chasing it. And honestly, when you have intent, and it, and this goes into like when we were doing the bridge thing yeah. with Saks Bridge right. and the Eisenhower Bridge, which I have given you that book, so you yeah. have it. Oh, I've read it. It sometimes feels like these places, because of that intent, enough people go there, it makes it happen. Yeah. Whether it's <laughs> something being drawn to that intent Something other being drawn to that intent. Or it's a buildup of that energy and or finally a, something has to go off like a catharsis. Yeah, yeah. So, Or people bring their own energy to places yeah. too. And there's, to, to be frank, there's certain moments where people are pushing for it so badly, either they're going to experience it whether it's realistic or not, or actually happening, like the, the, the placebo effect in the brain. Yeah. It's confirmation oh. bias. Exactly. Or collective nothing. hallucinations. Exactly. Or you can go in the full hunting mode. If you force, like you try to force a deer to pop out in front of you, that deer's never showing up. No. So I've, I've had experience where people well, go it, like, this is the most haunted place I've ever been to. And they take me there and there's so much buildup and then nothing happened. It's like, okay. Now that was f- weird. What? So I'm standing here. All right. 
So you see Tom's tent. Yep, I'm looking right You see that big tree that's coming up. Yep. Go to the left. Yep. And you see the darkness of the hillside. Yep. And there's like a little, two two little trees, like yep. right here. Yep. And you could see kind of the moonlight in there. Yep. It would be right, oh, hang on, let me get the other light so I can actually point, point with it. Yeah. Right in that area, between those yeah. two trees. Yeah. And you can see, you can see the moonlight. Yep. I actually literally saw like a dark shape there, like a person standing there. And then it just kind of like melted back into the trees. Cool. That so was it's beginning. That it's beginning. It's that was close freaky. To then. That was freaky. And, and I'm not like looking. I'm just like kind of just. You're scanning. I'm, I'm talking to you guys, and I saw that. Yep. So, yeah, that like sometimes there's the confirmation bias. You build things up until your brain imagines stuff, and and that's totally true. Like that happens. Oh yeah. It does. But then there's also you build it up so much that it you could maybe look at it as like a <laughs> paranormal performance and anxiety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, well now I don't want to do it. Like it doesn't want to show up. And I've had people like like I was saying a second ago, try to build this whole like we're gonna take you to a haunted place. This is the most haunted place I've ever been to. I've been to thousands of places, it's so haunted. And you get there and nothing happens because they yep. just made it not wanna come out. Well it I think it, when you said the hunting example, that was perfect. Yeah. So when you want that deer to be there, the deer feels that. Yeah. And senses that. They know that. they're being hunted. And we were just observing. Exactly. This whole 24 hours past that we've been here and we've been experiencing stuff, it's been observation. We're not trying to participate. We're not trying no. to challenge them. We're not banging on trees. We're not making howls and hoots and making noise. We're just standing there watching things happen. If it feels weird, I might react or respond to it. You might react and respond to it. That's we're trying to just observe. We're mm-hmm. we're a witness to what's going on, and I think that's the for people who want to experience this kind of stuff. I think that's the I don't want to say the best way, but definitely a safe way to, to go about it. Yeah, to come in without the intent of like you must show yourself to me. I want something to happen. So now my belief system, mm-hmm. like what I feel that this stuff. And you know, I used to be like everybody else. You know, oh Bigfoot is a as a flesh and blood, you know, unknown creature and all this stuff. And I can't, and I I want you, you know, as an, as a fellow Mm -hmm. woodsman, you know, experiencer, hunter, Mm -hmm. you know, when I say experiencer, I mean like experienced woodsman, not experiencer of the, of the supernatural. Yeah. I can't (laughs) biologically make a physical being that's like eight foot tall, has a brain like a human. Mm Mm-hmm be able to have enough calories to run both a brain a human brain and a body that big yeah because if you take a gorilla's body which gorillas are big massive creatures give them the brain of a human they couldn't get enough calorie intake yeah to run both yeah there's a reason biologically we we don't have really super strong we're weak yeah in the animal kingdom yeah and there's a reason why we don't have those kind of bodies because we, all our calories go into our mind. Yeah. We, we, through our evolution, the fact that we are what we are was so many flukes. It's hard to not believe in a superpower out there Yeah, because we have a very complex brain that required so many little variables to connect. Yeah. And the, the, the stars to align the right way that a brain like ours can develop and do like, and I'm not trying to sound like we're supreme to everything. No, else. no, you're, you're, you're just stating facts. You, this specific animal evolved in a way that 
not many other animals can because of what it had to sacrifice. And we're talking about human beings. Yeah, to become, well, hominids. Hominids. There we go. That's you look a at perfect, Habilis, perfect example. Sorry Habilis about that. Habilis is really where that started to really kick off. Like Australopithecus before then, but Habilis really started to take in that high-fat diet to really increase the brain mass. And then had to sacrifice sheer size, strength, speed, olfactory glands, uh, or sorry, uh, olfactory senses. Like our sense of smell is shit. Our oh, sense absolutely. of hearing is crap. <laughs> our eyesight is at best effective to see things. But our brains, that organ had to become massive. And it was from a lot of sacrifices through evolution. Yep. To get that in an animal that is the size of a gorilla, that animal has to be eating like a bodybuilder every two hours chicken whole chicken every two hours yeah. whole chicken yes. they have eat, and a gorilla is a herbivore that's why they don't even though a great all the great apes are very intelligent animals you don't see gorillas building space age technology <laughs> because they had to sacrifice the brain mass for survival to be big enough to defend themselves from leopards and lions and everything else so it, it, it's the sacrifice to make things so that they are. So, so to me, biologically, it makes no sense to have like a giant intelligent a, a, being. A giant intelligent being. <laughs> and I'm saying being because yeah. you know some people say Bigfoot's more of a. I'm looking at this from a physical perspective. Yeah. Bigfoot's a either a relic hominid or just a giant monkey. Yeah. <laughs> For them to have like the, the brain power that they have, it's it's biologically to me impossible. It makes would, no sense scientifically. I would say extremely challenging. If there you go. Have that, have, you'd have to have a, a very idea. special niche to make that succeed. Mm -hmm. And I don't see that in the uh, in the calories that you find in the American continents. You're not going to find the food sources. Like right. maybe if they're surrounded by acorn twenty four seven, they can just keep eating. They acorn. would have to be eating constantly. Yeah. And you would see, like... Like a bodybuilder. Yeah, you would... Just to keep the brain and the body mass. Yeah. It's challenging. In our culture, we refer to them as Kichisabe or Sabe directly. Kichi always describes more as like a grand or vast or great being or thing. Uh, Kichisabe is uh, one of the spirit beings, the Manadawak that Creator made to help manage the land. So you have Thunderbird taking care of the weathers... Uh, the the four directions taking care of those winds. You got underwater panther maintaining the water. You got Gitchikanabic, the great serpent who moves the earth and brings disease, but also brings medicine. All these different things. It's a whole pantheon of lore. Gitchisabe or Sabe's role is a caretaker of the forest. Yep. Sabe. One of the words we have for like forest is very similar to the word we have for garden. Gitagon or Gitigon. And some people say Matigon, talking more about the tree itself. I'm not sure. I'm not a strong language speaker, so I don't really fully grasp that part. But we often refer to the forest as creator's garden. And when you go out in the springtime, just after the snow melts, you go along and you start walking through the woods and you'll see patches of leeks coming up. And you'll see patches of uh, bloodroot or mayapple i'm talking about the canadian and like canadian east we're talking about the the northern yeah the, this is a different yeah i don't know what it would look like down here it's some we do have mayapples here yeah okay so so we let's ex, let's explain this your mm -hmm. environment is a little different from mine and we already said that a little bit yeah. and my environment is a little different from you yeah and even when you get further south in york <laughs> county where i am that's even more different that's even more different than here so let's just look at like we're going to start from a central Ontario perspective yep. 
we're, we're, I'm talking specifically from Anishinaabek territory, so like the, the Great Lakes region. The snow melts back, and you'll see all this leaf litter that's coming down right now as we're sitting here from all the leaves changing mm-hmm. color. That's all been compacted by the snow and the ice, and everything's kind of drab and dreary. And then you just see this bright green, and it's a patch of leeks. And you'll walk like 10 more feet, and there's another patch of leeks. Take another 10 steps, and there's bloodroot. And you take another five steps, and there's may apples. And you take another few steps, more leeks. And what it looks like is when you start planting transplants into your garden, it just, the whole forest starts to look like a garden bed being prepared. And our teachings, that's Sabe putting those plants out there, putting them into their spots so that they can grow there for the season. That's his role. Their role is yeah. to take care of the forest. And so we, we always give them the utmost respect. We'll offer them food and tobacco. And Which we did do last yeah, night. Yeah, actually we did it uh, early in the day, just before sunset, before we went off to check out the village. Yep. We put uh, we went down to your offering rock space and put some tobacco down, and then when we we're getting ready to leave, I put uh, five. <laughs> I packed a lot of candy because we we're coming from Canada. And I want to make a in our teachings if you're dealing with spirits, give them candy. B. I want to bring a bunch of snacks that Chad and Tom haven't had a chance to taste because they're Canadian candy. Yeah, we traded a lot of food, oh, yeah. food, food this, this, these last two days. You pork, know, pork rolls for butter tarts. Or cu- culture food, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I went so, full PA Dutch on you. Yeah, I loved it. Shoe fly um, fly. Oh my gosh, that was great. <laughs> but anyways, um, go ahead. <laughs> so I brought what's called Swedish berries. I'm sure you guys have them down here as well. But I put five Swedish berries on a log near Ryan's uh, SUV. And then we went for our walk later after Ryan and Tom had gone to bed. And I had a handful of them left in my pocket. So I put eight more on the log. And that's like simply, here's a treat. We're trying to show you that we respect you. We're giving yep. you an offering. Same thing as what we do with any being. When we take when we take an animal's life, we offer tobacco. We give them their last drink of water and a little bit of food. And that's just to make sure they have a good life and a good life in the next life. So it's a, just a way to show respect. And it's a very common thing across a lot of cultures, putting out food offerings or spirit plates, some people might call mm-hmm. them. That's just natural. The next morning, two or three of those Swedish berries are missing. Now, yeah. that could have been a raccoon, that could have been mice or something, who knows. But still, yeah. to, to me, even if that, even if some animal is taking it... That's an offering. That's Take an it. offering, and it could be some spirit in another form. Yeah. And even if then, if it's just the animal taking it, we still have given back to the land yep. in and some way or form. Now, we have not checked our tobacco, but no. that could have blown away. Yep. But when we leave, I will do the same thing again. And when I give you my story about a bipedal sapien American that I dealt with, uh, we'll get about talking about the tobacco and stuff that I left out and what happened there. Um, But yeah, that was the majority of the things I can talk about from what I remember from the last 24 hours. Um, We had a few knocks tonight, but they weren't anything obvious like what was happening last night. We had a light, but it turned out just to be a reflection off a window. Yep. Screech Owl called a couple of times. That's we, what's going on so far tonight. Yeah, and then what you just saw over there, and now that area is still lit up, but not as bright. Yeah. So we're having a little bit of moments, but nothing as like was last night. I think it's just kind of waiting for us to stop recording so it can really mess with us. <laughs> yeah. That's my guess, my paranoid brain saying, is like, it's just waiting. So I thought it was interesting that I heard Caleb say that the woods are different 
in Pennsylvania than what he was used to. The pandemonium was were much more open. Than, yeah, he um, was saying, I don't remember if he said it to me or if it was on the interview, I forget. But he was saying that it's kind of older, like he has a lot of scrub and, and newer growth that he was used yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, it's more like when you're in pandemonium and you're standing and you're looking down into the swampy area where it's more uh, denser, more scrubby. Mm-hmm. That's what he said to me is what like where he's at is like. Okay. It's different. It's a different region than what we have here. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, one thing that you said in the interview, and it's one thing we kind of say over and over again, and Caleb agreed with you, is that whatever is there at Pandemonium, and this was established for us, that's why I asked people to go listen to those early episodes if they haven't, uh, it was established for us in a big way, whatever's there is not afraid of you. No. In any way, and is quite willing to let you know that you are only as safe as it wants you to be. Exactly. In other words, it comes right into camp. Yep. And, you know, maybe I would have thought, hey, maybe it was just two of us, so it felt safe coming to camp, but there was four of you there. So besides the folks from Canada, you had your friend Tom with you as well. Yep, yep. And we're all pretty well versed in the woods. Yeah. Kayla's been then doing it for 25 years. And, you know, Tom's 68. He's been camping and doing this woods life for a really long time. You know, longer than me and Caleb. And then Ryan, who worked for Caleb, you know, it's kind of like his right-hand man. He's a guide. Mm-hmm. So you got four guys who spend a lot of time in the woods. Two of them, me and Tom, who are well-versed in this area. In local stuff, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there were four of us. Mm-hmm. And we were armed to the teeth. You know, axes and knives. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we had a pistol in camp, too. <laughs> so Whatever is there, and, you know, I like to say, and this is, this is not meant as a, you know, in any way to reference Caleb's First Nation descent. But I, I've said it, you know, as a matter of fact, like whatever's there likes to count coup. Exactly. Uh, it likes to come in and show you it can touch you if it wants to. Yeah. And Caleb even said that. Yeah. It's not afraid. It's willing to do what it needs to do. Whatever is up there. So whenever we take somebody, no matter who it is, whether they're experienced or not, whenever we take anybody to these places that we talk about, whether it's Site 7 or Pandemonium or Harry Springs, wherever. I'm always, not worried, but I'm always like a little concerned about nothing happening or people going, oh, you guys are crazy. There's nothing here. Nothing to see here. You guys are wimps thinking there's anything here. You know, whatever, whatever the case. So I'm always kind of like, oh, I don't know. We'll see. You know, and, you know, my answer to that is usually like, well, just because nothing happens doesn't mean that nothing ever happened. You know, the example is, you know, you could go down a trail and, and you could see a blue jay and you could meet somebody on the other side and say, oh, I saw, you know, a blue jay down that trail and they could walk down there five minutes later and the blue jay might not be there. That doesn't mean a blue jay was never there, you know? Correct. It just means it wasn't there for them. But in any case, I was I was kind of like, well, we'll see. And then when you guys showed up at Albertwitch Day, I could tell. I was like, oh, they got the full pandemonium welcome. The welcome party was sent out. Mm-hmm. 
that's always interesting and satisfying too when that happens when we do take <laughs> like when we took john to site seven you know john yeah. was kind of skeptical going into site seven and by the time he left he was like wow you know that's, that's very satisfying when that happens and i didn't hype this up in any way like i told him i said you know look i can't guarantee anything's going to happen right we never can gonna, yeah you never can and i wasn't like you know hey you know this is going to knock your socks off you know i said look i this area is active We've had stuff happen here. Come on down. We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. At the very least, you camped in a ghost town. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and if it happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. Ryan and Tom were, now Ryan was exhausted because he had driven, you know, on the first night, he had driven 10 hours. So he basically crashed. Mm -hmm. And Tom had heard the stories. And as I said before, Tom really was like, I'm not going up there. (laughs) So I was shocked when he said, yeah, I'll go long. <laughs> well, Tom had something pretty major happen. The fact that he took it that much in stride mm-hmm. is a credit to him. Uh, something reached through my tent and grabbed my foot. <laughs> <laughs> Chad would Chad would have been woken up by me for sure. I'd have been like, Chad? <laughs> something just grabbed my foot. Right there at the end, in the third part of that, the first night you were recording, the second night you were there the recordings we just played, there is a little part where Caleb's talking, he's telling a little story, and you tell him to hold on. And you heard something while he was talking, and that's why you told him to hold on. I catch the very tail end of it on your recording. Let me play the context first, where you tell him to hold on. I'll play that. I was cutting some wood, and they said, Caleb, do you see that? I was cutting some wood. And they said, Caleb, do you see that? Okay, now I'm going to play the little call that you caught. It was right at the end of your speaking, and you can hear it. I don't know what it is, but let me go ahead and play this three times here. That. 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 So you listened to that before, and you don't think that's an owl. And, and I think you guys would have noted, because you were talking about owls and stuff from the night before, I think if there was an owl calling, you guys would have said, hey, there's an owl. So what do you think that is? T- to be honest, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't know. Uh, you hear us mentioning that we're catching speech. Right, while you're talking. While we're talking. And then, you know, Tom was sleeping at that time. I don't quite remember which direction it came from but i would have noted it if it was an owl you know me i usually go oh that's an owl i always identify what i know mm-hmm. i say that out loud it's a i don't know if that's a bad habit or a good habit <laughs> but um i would have noticed it if it was coming from you know like tom's tent i would have said oh that was probably tom you know because we really went out of our way to explain things and you know right tom- and, and we should know i should have noted this in the beginning before i played the recordings, but Tom's snoring throughout. So if anyone thinks they're hearing growling, <laughs> it's, Tom snoring. it's Tom snoring in the background. This wasn't Tom snoring. You can hear Tom snoring the no, whole time. Yeah. No. And we were catching like snippets of what sounded like speech. Which yeah. happens while you're there. Exactly. We've we, had that happen there numerous times. We had numerous. that. We, we do a solstice walk every year and we went to pandemonium this year for our solstice walk, or rather this solstice, this past solstice, December 21st of 2022. And we were having similar things while we were there. Yeah, I don't know what that uh, is, to be honest. 
Mm-hmm. It's something. And it definitely stopped when you stopped talking. It sounds close to the recorder to me, whatever it is, but I can't tell what it is, you know. Yeah. Also, I think it's in towards the end there, too. You mentioned seeing a shadow come down the hill towards Tom's tent and then fade back into the woods. Yeah, the moon was pretty, Was uh, it wasn't full, but it was bright. It was pretty bright. It was almost like the night me and you were there. Mm-hmm. And the first night, the seventh, Friday night, there was a wind and, you, you know, the trees were moving and all that stuff. And then on Saturday night, when we're describing what happened on Friday night, because I don't know why, but I didn't run the recorder when me and Caleb were walking around. I don't think I, yeah, yeah, the first night, I don't think that I didn't think anything was going to happen. And we had all this stuff then happen. But anyways, as we're, you know, we're talking, I was looking up the hill because as I'm wont to do, you know me, I always look around where the area where you saw that white face Mm -hmm. up on the hillside. And it wasn't where the cars were. It was beyond them. There was this patch of moonlight. And I thought I saw this black form come in and just kind of stop there, and then move back into the shadows. That's important to note going forward. Mm-hmm. The other thing I will note is that you guys were sitting around again towards the end of the conversation, and you're like, oh, it's pretty quiet tonight. I don't think anything's going to happen. And boy, <laughs> yeah. were you ever wrong. Exactly, we were wrong. That's what we're going to be hearing on the next episode. So whatever happened the first night, I gather the second night made that look like nothing. Exactly. Yeah. I would say the second night was, I mean, our first night, me and you there was harrowing, Mm -hmm. but this one was, it was pretty dang close to being just as bad, if not a little worse. Wow. And (laughs) and there were four of you there. It's amazing. It's amazing. Pandemonium is something else. It's a serious place. Absolutely. All right. Well, that'll be next week. Chad, thank you for sharing these recordings with us. We'll have you back next week, and there's a lot more to what happened that night while you were at Pandemonium. Well, Allison. Yes? Since you weren't at the top of the show, I didn't get to ask you how you were tonight. I'm better that I didn't have to do that. (laughs) Really? Yeah. It's Chad? a real pain to try to, to off the top of your head, explain your entire feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I think Chad was very happy to be able to do the intro. So Yeah. I was happy to let him as well. I care how Chad's doing today. Exactly. But you're back for the curiosity segment. What do you have for us tonight, Allison? Well, I have something we've never had before. Ooh. It's not a photo. This is... A ribbon that would have been given as you know part of a fraternal organization. This mm-hmm. is the Knights of Pythias, which sounds like you know, like a Monty Python thing. <laughs> Very pithy knights. Yes. And this is for the Evergreen Lodge in Columbia, Pennsylvania, which is the site of the Albatwitch Festival. It's very close to a lot of regional high strangeness. Yeah, it's a very haunted area. Yeah, on a personal note, it's also... A really key place in the Underground Railroad, yep. which we're going to probably discuss more this year. Yep. Kind of ties in with tonight's show because I was at Albatwitch Day when Chad was at Pandemonium. So, I love the styling on 
most of them like Masonic, Oddfellows, fraternal organizations, the amount of work that goes into mm-hmm. making the sashes and the, and the ribbons is just kind of extraordinary. And from someone who, as a child, liked to collect little bits and baubles of ribbon and what do they call that? Like passementry? <laughs> You're asking like the, the wrong um, guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like a sewing and notions term, but let's say decorative knickknacks. Let me see this a second. All right. So it's got a kind of a... It's like almost like a celluloid badge. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a celluloid badge with a coat of arms, I think, for the Knights Pythias. And the two flags I saw are actually sewn on, so they're like separately created items that are oh, yeah. sewn onto it. It's, there's a lot of work that goes into there it. There is. And then the badge says, the lower badge says, the parting of Damon and Pythias. Pythias, thy hand again. Farewell. So... Very much a fraternal notion there. And on the back, it's got, oh, that's a memorial ribbon. I did not see that. That is really cool. <laughs> yeah. That says, in memoriam, Knights of Pythias. It's a black and silver ribbon. So you can wear it if, if a member dies. I, I think, guess so. So you could always be in mourning if you need to be. Yeah. This is a really cool thing. I don't know that much about the Knights of Pythias. I looked them up very quickly before we started. It said they're like a non-denominational kind of a fraternal organization. Oh, so this isn't like the great divide in between your Masons and your Knights of Columbus? Or... I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they, well, maybe they were right in the middle there. Maybe they were in the great divide. <laughs> <laughs> seemed like they welcomed anybody. And they were. Uh, oh, I like that message. Yeah, yeah. more like the odd fellows, I guess. So I will take a photo of this. And I will put it in the show notes for this episode at strangefamiliars.com. If you click on that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can purchase this and other curiosities of the week, those that we have left. While you're at Etsy, make sure to check out my books. Should be getting restocked soon. I think they're all in stock on Etsy now, but we have few copies of some of them. But we'll be getting restocked soon, so we should have plenty of copies of all my books very soon. My artwork's there, prints and originals. Some of my music is there. Can you get Vil... 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 Don't make me say it. Geist. Yeah. Yes, both albums from Wildnessgeist are there. And tell everybody where they were used, in case they don't know. Oh, yeah. So, volume one of Wildnessgeist, the self-titled volume, was used as the soundtrack to Hellier Season 2, Episode 10, I believe it was, the last episode. So it's like the big ritual episode. Yeah. No spoilers, but... They used that as as the soundtrack. I think the Newkirks must have mentioned it recently, either on their podcast or on their live stream or something, because every time they mention it, we get a little bump for Wilderness Guys. So thank you to the Newkirks. They've been very, very kind to me. So excited to be a part of Hellier, even in a remote kind of way. It's just such a neat uh, series. So. But yes, Wilderness Geist is there. Some of my other music is there at our Etsy shop. Strange Familiars t-shirts, Glow in the Dark, and Classic Blue. Strange Familiars patches, stickers. Allison has a good selection of antique photography up there and more. To check out everything, go to Etsy. Our shop name is Lost Grave. But if you type in Strange Familiars, our stuff should come up. While you're there, check out Chad Shop, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors. Check out our friends at Karmic Garden. And John. And don't forget to check out John, who is not on Etsy. Who is at Riverbend. John is at riverbendcomics.com. All right, that's it for this week. Make sure to come back next week for more Pandemonium with Chad.
Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music by Stone Breath, including Wilderness Geist, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. We have the Strange Familiars Gathering group there as well. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, and 24-7 on the web at strangefamiliars.com.
sun upon the tree. It waits for me. It waits for me. And who is hanged upon the tree? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.